Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia O'Donnell. back to the Femi Pod. I am here with Est and this week we are excited to be welcoming two very special guests to the pod. We have our incredible Femi coach Amy O'Halloran with us and Zoe Van Potaka, an athlete and coach herself. Both of these incredible women are not only amazing runners but also have one of the most important jobs in the world being mums. We are super excited to be diving into this conversation about running through pregnancy, taking time off and coming back after giving birth. We have already interviewed our Femi physio, Grace Coombs, about pre and postnatal physio for women runners. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and find episode 53 first. But today we are going to be chatting through Amy and Zoe's journeys to becoming running mums. Zoe, Amy, welcome to the pod. So excited to have you. How are you going, Amy? Yeah, really well, thank you. Super excited to be here and, and great to share this with, with Zoe as well. Yeah, amazing. And how about yourself, Zoe? Yeah, same same goes here. I'm stoked to be on the pod and I think it's a really important uh, space to share with all of those people out there who are interested in becoming mums themselves or maybe thinking about it and, you know, just want to know more about it and our experiences as well. Yeah, we're so excited to dive into it deeper and hear more about your stories Uh, So let's start with you, Amy. You're obviously an incredibly speedy athlete with a 253 marathon, also um, with two beautiful children, Henry and Jemima. Can you take us through your running journey to date? Yeah, absolutely. So um, yes, I've got Henry and Jemima. Uh, Jemima's three and Henry's five. Um, And yeah, I guess my running journey, I have always run ever since I pretty much could. Um, From six years old, I was always at school trying to embrace the boys and um, have, yeah, run ever since. I ran through school. I went over to America on an athletic scholarship and spent four years in San Diego, which was pretty great. Although I think... I've definitely been plagued with every injury under the sun. Even when I was in America for four years, I had four stress fractures and an ankle surgery. Um, so my running didn't have the best journey over there, but I definitely grew a lot as a person. And then, yeah, since becoming a mom, I, I ran on the track and I was like 800, 1500. And I thought maybe the 1500 was long distance um, until I became a mom. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to do a half marathon. Um, And the first half marathon I did was uh, the Sydney Morning Herald half. And I ran for running for premature babies. So both my beautiful babies were super preemie. Henry came at 33 weeks. And yeah, as a first time mum, it was just, I was so naive. I, I ran through my pregnancy and I thought like, I'm fit and I'm healthy it's meant to be a breeze right what you see in the movies and you think it's all just yeah you're gonna have go into the hospital and have a perfect little baby and then go home but um for us it definitely wasn't the case um just went in for a checkup and then next minute we are whisked to the emergency room um I was having a emergency caesar 
Um, and then, yeah, we, we didn't know if I was a boy or a girl. And then we had Henry. That was just, yeah, the biggest whirlwind. Um, nothing that I think I could have ever planned or thought this might happen. Um, it was just, yeah, so, so intense. And then, yeah, we spent the next four weeks in the NICU, which was really hard. Um, you'd have to leave your baby there at the end of the day. And so, like, you thought you have a baby and you get to go home after the five days, but we had to keep coming, going, coming and going. And um, because he was preemie, he couldn't, I couldn't feed him. Um, so there was just so many different obstacles that was like this is not how I imagined becoming a mom um it was really really challenging and so yeah when I ran my first half marathon um at eight months post Henry and really he was that would really make him just over five months old I just yeah ran for running for premature babies and it was the most rewarding I think race I've ever done because it was so it wasn't about time or anything it was just like okay no matter how tired I felt like I'd get in the race, um, I was like, they would never compare to those nights that I was sitting by him in the, his little incubator. And, yeah, I, I guess I really struggled a lot with um, the guilt of, like, why did he come early? Um, and the doctors would say, like, I my placenta ruptured, I developed an infection. Um, there was nothing for, per se that I actually did to cause him to come early, but I just carried that guilt so much with me that like already starting on the foot of feeling like a bad mum and I really really battled a lot with that guilt and um, so I yeah I really struggled and I guess I struggled really a lot silently Um, and just having that experience of holding him and not leaving the hospital and not how I pictured it I think was hard and then the months after when like yeah he wasn't growing and so forth so it was like it, I didn't think that I healed from the trauma and I just kind of just kept going. The irony though, like post Henry, I think my new found for love of running came because I was like, every time I would go out for a run, I'd be like, okay, this is making me a better mom. So I could come back. And it was a lot of tag teaming. Like when Ben got home from work, I'm like, I'm just going for 15 minutes around the block. And that was what I needed to do for my mental health. And then, like, obviously I increased that, increased that. And then, yeah, did run um, my first half marathon. Um, and then I had kind of like a flying, I put a lot of time and effort into being like, okay, what's the one thing I am good at? And I still had that guilt of, like, maybe I'm not a good mum, but I can be, I put a lot of energy into be like, how can I get better at running? <laughs> um, it's maybe not the best way to deal with things, but that's kind of what I needed to do to, to be able to deal with life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I had like PB after PB. I was like, I never run a 10K. And every time I ran a 10K, I PB'd. I'd never run a 5K um, again because I thought those were long distance. Um, and then, yeah, I ran two half marathons. Um, and one was at the Sunshine Coast where I, I met, in a, I didn't meet Lydia, but I saw her run on by me. <laughs> um, and then one was in Melbourne as well where I, did a, a great PB and I had planned to do Zatapec um, and I couldn't even believe that I had qualified for it. Um, and I remember maybe thinking about number two. However, I was like, oh, like at least want them to be like two and a bit years apart. And so just before Zatapec, like I booked my flights, I booked Acom um, and I, I'd gone for two runs and I was like, 
I just, something feels off. I was like, maybe I'm sick. Like I've just been running so well. And I had a pregnancy test at home and I was like, I'm just going to do it. Like I'm sh- I'm not pregnant. I'm not pregnant. And then of course I was pregnant and I was like, oh no, like I, Henry was just one. And I was like, this kind of, I can't be pregnant. I kind of worked in my head. I was like, Henry's now healthy. Um, and a lot of that guilt had sort of not gone, but I had dealt with it a little bit. And then as soon as I found out I was pregnant again, everything came back. I was like, no, like, how can I do this pregnancy differently? And so I kind of completely shifted my mind. Like, I remember, okay, I ran nearly every day with Henry and I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do this time. I'm, I stopped running at 16 weeks. Um, I put on 10 extra kilos than I did with Henry. And I was like, I'm doing everything I can to make sure I'm giving my baby the best chance I'm like they're cooking to 42 weeks I'm gonna go the whole way I'm healthy I'm heavier like and I'm really focused on like what I could do and then my little Jemima so Henry came at 33 weeks which we thought was early Jemima came at 30 weeks I still remember it like to this day it still haunts me that it felt like a video game and I just thought like oh my goodness i again I was like what did I do wrong like I really thought this time I tried to do everything right and I was like I don't think I can be a good mom to Henry or Jemima the way I am right now and that was the first time I like I was like I'm not coping (laughs) and admitting to that like I'm definitely the kind of person who's like I can do everything and admitting and it was really difficult for me to be like okay, am I not coping because I'm a bad mum? Am I not coping because this was a really hard situation and how would a normal person cope or am I not coping? And it was so quick for the doctors to be like, well, you've got postnatal depression. And I was like, do I though? Like how am I meant to have like coped? How would anyone cope in this situation? Like it's easy to say that, but not just be labeled that because I find found that really challenging as well but anyway I did go through a eight-week postnatal program um, which I think was one of the toughest things I think I could, ever could have done but I think it was really good as well um, it was really hard and I did do go on medication as well but and to this day which is something that I know I shouldn't feel shame for, but I do. Um, I still am on that same medication even today. But yeah, something that at the time, admitting that it was hard and not just hard, like being a mum is hard, this is in itself, that it was, yeah, something that I knew I needed to do for. And I, that's how I tried to frame it in my head. I was like, it's not for me, it's for Henry and my mum. Yeah. Oh, Amy, thank you so much for sharing. That's um, what a wild ride and crazy time. I can't even imagine what you've been through mentally. Like you are a superhero, a super mom. Um, the fact that you've gone through all of that and look at you now, you are like absolutely thriving as a mother um, and also running so fast and doing such amazing things outside of being a mom as well, which you should be so proud of. So we just appreciate you sharing your story. It's um yeah, crazy. I can't even imagine, yeah, going through something as challenging as that. But you should be so proud of yourself and definitely not 
feeling guilty for not being there. Like you are obviously a hundred percent committed to those children. So they're very lucky to have you as a mum. Zoe, your little girl is less than six months old. So she's still very young. Can you take us through your running, where your running was at before giving birth and what has the last kind of six months been like for you? Yeah, um, I was probably very similar with Amy to start out with. And before I get into my story, I just want to say um, you're doing an amazing job, Amy, and it's so incredible for you to be able to share that with everyone. And I think it's amazing that you got to do an eight-week program postpartum because I think that like should be happening more and should be far more common for in regards to support for us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, same as Amy, started off probably like, yeah, six, seven, eight, loving running, chasing, or trying to beat the boys probably puts the nail on the head there as well, proving them wrong. Um, and yeah, just loved it throughout high school and stuff as well. I was probably more um, interested in cross-country style running than I was um, at athletics, but I still love the athletic side of things in terms of competitiveness. Uh, and then during university, it was just a good old, you know, university life, having a good time. And then, you know, probably on a Thursday, Friday and Saturday, and then waking up on a Sunday morning to go for a long run um, was definitely one way to get out um, a few late nights out of your system. <laughs> I don't, honestly don't see how we did it as a young woman, but we did. <laughs> um, and yeah, we'd quite often, um, we, were, we lived in Wellington, so we quite often went around the bays and it was just a really nice time for us to connect as friends um, and also challenge each other outside of, you know, the stresses of uni and the social side of it as well. Um, and then, so we did a few half marathons and that's probably, I think that was the first time that we had done, or I had done half marathons. And then um, towards the end of university, a friend of mine messaged saying, hey, you should do this run with me. And it was the goat, Tongarero. So it was a trail run. Um, and I just stupidly said yes, because I love saying yes to things. And so I may have run up um, a few hills in Wellington because you can't not, uh, but I definitely was not prepared for what the goat had in store for us. Um, I instantly loved it from then on and kind of turned into more trail running for um, the consecutive years. And then probably about three years later, moved to Dubai. Um, I was a teacher, so I moved there with my husband to teach and travel the world. And I got there and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to run on the road again because there aren't any trails in the UAE and about a year in I met up with uh, this woman called Heidi Jones and she was like oh yeah I go trail running in the mountains and I was like what one there are mountains here and two there are trails like what is this so yeah she then took a few of us out there onto the trails and I was just stoked from there on out to be able to be back in the trails which is where I love to run and then decided to jump on some other friends training for a 50k and managed to do a 50k and a full marathon all in one race which was <laughs> nice and long and slow in the hot desert but um it was pretty cool to kind of tick both distances off at once and survive that distance and did a couple more like that then decided to ramp it up with them and stupidly like followed along this guy's program and he was like a six foot plus male and I was following his running program and um, that wasn't great. 
don't do that people and um tried to then run a seven I think it was about a 72k run in the mountains again in the UAE and did not enjoy it I got to 60ks and pretty much like threw my toys out of the basket it was really it was November so it was meant to be kind of like winter which is more like our summer here so it's still pretty warm but um it actually ended up being 36 degrees that day and 80 something k's um so that was probably my turning point in regards to not training properly and realizing that I shouldn't be following a male's training plan and I should be doing my own I decided that I'd turn to multi-sport and do New Zealand's coast to coast so I trained for multi-sport instead and did that for a whole year in the desert and then came home to race it. Um, and that was 2020. Yeah, so 2020 we managed to race it in February and then COVID came in March, so we're pretty lucky. From then, I suppose my relationship with running was a bit more um, relaxed and I was just interested in doing more 50Ks again. So I set my sights on Tarawera Ultramarathon and yeah, so I just, I just love running and, and I love it in the trails specifically. Um, I definitely don't throw any shade at pavement running because I love that too. Um, but yeah, trail running is where my heart is at for sure. <laughs> love it. And you get so many people into your, your love for trail running with your job and you promote it so heavily. And I love to see it because I would love to do more if my ankles let me, but I live vicariously through you, Zoe. <laughs> Oh yeah, my ankles don't love it either, so I feel you there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, well, throughout to you, Amy, um, just to touch on how your training approach has changed since having children. Yeah, so I think it's definitely um, when and yeah, when you have that moment, I'm like, okay, it's all very structured in terms of, okay, Ben goes to the gym, I go for a run. I've got this morning, you've got that morning, I've got this morning um, working full-time as well, so it's in my lunch break. Um, but I think, yeah, it's just about maximising the time that I do have um, and trying not to have that guilt of, okay, mom, and the kids know, they're like, mummy, you're in your running clothes, are you going for a run? And I'm like, yep, we're going for a run. And then when I get back, they're like, you're so sweaty. And I'm like, God, oh, they're like, no, you're so sweaty. But, yeah, it's just making sure – Lots of my training is at like 5 a.m. Um, or after 7.30. Um, and we kind of have a good system of like, okay, this is Saturday morning. I leave at bloody 4.30 so I can get my big, when, when training for a marathon, um, workout in and hope the kids will sleep in a bit. And then, yeah, so I think the, the approach is get it done when you can. Um, and I like I like having that routine of like I know when my big runs are um, and the alarm will go and I'm like do not press snooze because this is your only window to get it done because then you're going to be a mum for the rest of the day um, so yeah just juggling the time I think is the biggest thing that's changed yeah I can't ever imagine having like children and being responsible for other lives as you know injecting that into my life right now would be so madness I can barely look after myself so um like a massive kudos I see mums out there running and running with prams and just like doing what it takes to get it done and I'm like like huge ups to all of you because I yeah like I said I can barely get my own training done without having children so I think the biggest thing is yeah when they were early on like the running pram was like the godsend and my kids would like they don't sleep at the best of times even now but they would sleep when moving in the pram 
that was definitely a good way to get those runs in. Yeah, that's awesome. I can imagine running with the pram would be like pretty hard too. So you're probably doing, you know, extra effort just pushing the pram. <laughs> so at Femi, we talk about cycle tracking quite a lot and the importance of cycle tracking more for performance. Were you tracking your cycle before pregnancy? And, you know, did this kind of come into play when you were trying to fall pregnant at all? Yeah, definitely. I The minute I, I kind of came home and um, I got my marina out, um, I then started cycle tracking. And it seemed really good at the start because it was it came my period came straight away after having the marina out there was no kind of um they give you a bit of a leeway they say you know it might take a few months for your cycle to become regular again um I had regular periods straight away but then I think I might have had one month where it was a lot longer probably like 45 days and then it went back to about 26 and stayed at that very um, comfortably the whole time um, and I was even ovulation tracking um, and that all seemed pretty good as well so yeah it all seemed good to start off with with my cycle. Yeah did you face some challenges post that like what was it what was it like I think for a lot of women especially in the sport and exercise arena they have this kind of like fear and this is my personal opinion too I'm going to put it out there and say I haven't had children and I don't know my fertility I've never had it checked Definitely fear that if one day I do want to have a child, that because of all the exercise and running that I do is going to affect my fertility. Was there kind of any implications for you that you found when you're going through that journey to get pregnant? Yeah, definitely. I think I think there are a lot of societal pressures um, on you in regards to falling pregnant and exercising at the same time, and I think a lot of them come from misinformation. Um, I'd have people, you know, I'd, I'd share that I was trying to fall pregnant, that we were trying to fall pregnant, and people would be like, well, have you thought about stopping running? Have you thought about not strength training, et cetera, et cetera? Um, and at the start, it didn't really bother me because I because my response was just like, no, I'm healthy. My cycle's fine. I don't need to do that. Like what I do, I look after myself. I have rest days. My body is strong. My system is good. My bloods are good. You know, like I'd kind of gone through all the check system um, outwardly and inwardly that, you know, I was fine and I can still keep running and try and fall pregnant. Um, and it, it didn't really affect me until two years of trying and two years of, of frustrations and, um, you know, pregnancy tests that were always coming up not pregnant and everything like that, that it really hit me. I was like, you know, maybe these things that people were saying could be true. And I think that was probably the first time that put doubt in my mind. Um, and it, it was frustrating because it's what I love. And I think that was the biggest thing about falling pregnant in the first place was that I didn't want to lose doing the things I loved because I wanted a baby. And there wasn't, many people out there talking about this at the same time so for me I couldn't really relate to other people who would just say oh you know I just stopped running or I stopped going to the gym and then I fell pregnant I was like well but I don't want to do that like that's not me and also it is a lot of my mental health there so I don't want to lose that and then how am I going to replace it everything like that so yeah there was a lot of kind of spiraling thoughts going on and I think the biggest thing that helped me was 
um, finding a few people that did keep running all the way through trying to get pregnant and through their pregnancies. And they said that, you know, everything was fine. Everything was good. And um, it's okay. You can keep doing it. Um, so yeah, a couple of close friends were like that. And that kind of reassured me that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't being stupid for lack of a better word for wanting to keep running or I wasn't being, um, selfish for wanting to keep running as well as wanting a baby yeah so that was the biggest thing um and in the end we went to um the doctors and got some le um, blood tests done some further ones and got our amh levels done and that's basically looking at your of your of your um sorry your egg count and seeing where you're at and in the end my count was in the average but pretty low of the average so for anyone who's interested in wanting to know, you know, what their stores are like, because they might be planning for it in the future, I would definitely recommend uh, a test like an AMH test, um, just to see where you're at. It was definitely helpful in regards to being like, okay, this is where we are, what can we do from here? Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Zoe. So I'm sure so helpful for some people who are you know, struggling to to fall pregnant um, and going through a similar journey to you. And is it um, correct that you ended up going through IVF? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my AMH levels were low. Um, and then my partner also got his um, levels tested and his were also similar to mine, like the average to low, e low end of the average band. It's all to do with your age as well. Uh, and... So because we were both kind of that low to average um, end, it was just less of a chance to us for us to be able to naturally conceive quickly. It, we could have, and we very well still could conceive naturally, but it might take us five years. Um, and that's a long time when you're trying. <laughs> a lot of people were like, you know, it, it, it took us three months and that was torture. So um, yeah, my heart goes out there to anyone listening who is definitely on that road because it's not definitely not fun. And I think there should also be support um, mental health wise around that side of um, trying to fall pregnant as well. Um, and so, yeah, my husband is older. He's 40 now. So and I am 33 soon. And so he didn't really want to wait another five years he'd already I'd already kind of pushed him out 10 <laughs> so I couldn't push him out anymore <laughs> and so, so I was like it's okay Let, let's go down the IVF line and because we were in that band we were we actually qualified for public funding through um, Fertility Associates New Zealand uh, however we decided to go private because public funding still meant especially because of COVID that it might still take another three to five years for us to go through the process yeah and then be lucky enough to also um conceive and have the baby from that so it was a long process and so we decided that instead of buying a second car we would buy our child <laughs> and yeah there we go so uh it's a big investment but it's one of the best investments you'll ever make in your life really um that's a no-brainer so we went down that road and from the get-go it probably took two months for us to do like the formalities and then um, in April last year we did the egg collection so you do hormones for two weeks egg collection sperm collection they put it 
um, put them in the petri dishes and and turn them into embryos and then from there um, it's getting an embryo um, inserted and into the womb and seeing if it sticks and it's stuck yay yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so um, Ezra stuck in July I think it was roundabouts and um, it was yeah that first you know eight to 12 weeks was not fun like it was still kind of just like it might still might not stick you've still got all of that worry as anyone would in any form of way they've become pregnant um and yeah so once we were kind of over that safe zone it was a lot of celebrating and yeah yeah oh, <laughs> that's so awesome thanks so much for sharing um I'm sure that was a challenging time for you so appreciate your transparency and like I know people listening, if they're going through that or thinking about it, it would be really, really nice to hear your journey. Um, and yeah, I'm sure they relate to, to what you've been through. Um, I wanted to just circle back really quickly to that sort of like people's opinions and like dial in a little bit more about social media. I wonder if you ever received any scrutiny, scrutiny or saw like misinformation on social media, Zoe, during your journey as well. Yeah, I did. I saw a lot of um, things around you shouldn't be exercising, you shouldn't be running so much, maybe your kilometres should be less. Um, why are you still training for a 50k? Because at the time I was wanting to train for Tarawera. Maybe you're not eating right because you're trying to train and be thinner, all of this sort of stuff. And it wasn't just social media. Yeah, it's definitely prevalent on social media. And that just absolutely grinds my gears. Um, but a lot of it was from friends and family as well, who probably also saw it on social media and then, you know, we're passing it on as, you know, kind of secondhand information. And in the end, I turned around and just said, that's got nothing to do with me trying to conceive. I'm fit, I'm healthy, I'm happy there are other things at play and you don't understand that so don't put your opinions onto me thank you very much so I became a little bit hardened towards it yeah but yeah it was it was hard to navigate especially with people you loved who would say certain things um but I think you in the end ultimately from my experience with that you have to stand up for how you feel on the inside and how you feel in your body and just know that what you think is right is right in that regards, ultimately. If you're choosing um, to stop um, exercising because maybe you think that might help, absolutely fine. That is how you feel. But if you're choosing to continue on because that's what helps you feel better and you don't think that's going to hinder you in any way, then also positive, also good. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy how many opinions are out there and I've just seen so many comments on social media posts of women who are like potentially quite heavily pregnant, moving and doing something they love that makes them feel really good. And then these keyboard warriors just coming in telling them that they shouldn't be doing that. And I think I saw um, Tia Cleotumi, I don't know if you know the CrossFitter in here in Australia and like it looked like she was training, I don't know exactly, but it looked like she was training like pretty well up until she gave birth and she's lifting pretty heavy weights and that's what she's like born to do. Like she's an incredible athlete. And man, the comments on those posts is just so insane. I'm like, 
like a these people who are commenting probably be, don't have any expertise in what they're saying to these women and also be like no one asked for your opinion so just like these women do what I'm sure they've been medically allowed and cleared to do uh, I just think it's so un, uncalled for and unnecessary and and, you know, these women are probably already going through a really challenging and hard time, you know, going into something that they potentially have never done before. It's the last thing they need is unwanted opinions. Absolutely. There's a lot actually of information out there, very positive information um, around women training, strength training in particular during pregnancy. It's actually um, encouraged and you're not necessarily meant to be adding more load onto what you're lifting, but you're, what is shared is that maintenance in strength training is absolutely fine, and if not helpful towards you in your pregnancy, because you're going to be stronger, you're going to hold that baby more comfortably inside, and then also once they're out, you know, your, your functionality is actually good mm -hmm. and strong. So they definitely um, advise you to keep doing it if if you if you want to, and it's more like running that they they share that is also absolutely fine until you know at some point in your second trimester, and then in your third trimester it's encouraged to deload. So don't run as much. You keep running, but just don't do it as much. Yeah. 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 And it's honestly nothing is more inspiring than seeing like this glowing pregnant woman moving her body in a really healthy way. Like, I think it's so cool, but obviously this is not medical advice. So everybody go and see your medical practitioner and make sure you get cleared to do the right things for you. But speaking of strong women, Amy, you obviously work with plenty of strong women who are going through or who have come back from pregnancy what is is this kind of like a myth or in your opinion is it true that women come back from having babies stronger and fitter and if so why do you think this is yeah I agree I think um I I work with the Femi um the girls and I also work with some of the Running Mums Australia girls as well um which is also incredible and I guess yeah for me personally I think I found this new kind of mom strength that I didn't know that I had. And I think a lot of it has come down to, I guess, kind of what we went through. Um, and I was like, there was a lot of times where I was like, I don't think I can like keep doing this, but I was like, I've got to, I've got to for the kids and I've got to do another day. Um, so a lot of the times when I do get bogged down in some races or even the marathon in Melbourne, um, where I was like, I don't think I can take another step. I was like, no, you keep, you keep showing up you keep taking those steps like whether that's the day whether that's another step to finish the to get to the finish line I was like you'll keep you just got to keep on keeping on um so that's by my little like mum strength motto is that there's yeah you can't give up um and then that's implemented into my running even though I thought about it a million times last Sunday I was like no but you see you just don't give up that's not who you are um and then yeah seeing I think it's that because you, you're really choosing to do it. Like you have to make that time. You have to do it um, if that's what you want. And so whenever you do get to run, it's like a moment for you where it's like you're not a mum, you're not working, you're not a wife. Like that's your, your time. So I think you're just more appreciative. Not that you're not appreciative, but I know that I'm more appreciative that I can get out for a run or I am running because of 
how short that window is. So that like mum's strength is, um, yeah, it's real. And I didn't, I didn't believe it. I didn't think beforehand, but I can definitely attest that um, somehow I've got some more mum strength in me. Love, love to hear it. I feel like if you can get through something like that, then you can get through a running race. And I really like the way you like just spoke about how it's a real choice to run um, when you have a child because you have to fit it around their schedule. Whereas, yeah, like Liz and I, we can do it kind of whenever we want <laughs> most of the time. Like we obviously work, but um, yeah, we have that flexibility. So it is more of like, yeah, a conscious choice and effort. Um, so yeah, kudos to you. And I think I just find it incredible seeing all these women come back from um, pregnancy and running the best they've ever run. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like there is some special source here and how much stronger it makes them. And I don't know, maybe able to push through pain and been through tougher challenges as well. So it's been very cool to see that. Zoe, we know that you your little ears is only six months old, um, so your journey back into running is very fresh. Can you talk to us about how this journey has been coming back into running and, you know, your body obviously changing through pregnancy and then and then that return to running? Um, how has it been emotionally and physically for you? Yeah, um, now that I feel like I'm running a decent speed and distance, it's amazing. Um, if you asked me this three weeks ago, I would have said, I'm not that interested. I'm not enjoying it. So um, it's definitely not, you know, it's not just straight shooting. <laughs> um, and so I think initially um, after having is, I was quite conservative in coming back because everything that I read and saw was don't go back too soon don't do this too soon, wait for your pelvic floor physio to check you and everything like that. And um, when I did go see my pelvic floor um, physio, she was like, oh, you could have done more than this before coming, you know, before your six weeks. And I was like, but everything that was told to me or that was shared and in, in information was all don't, you know, don't do much. And so I found that quite conflicting. Uh, but after that, I was just like, oh, cool. Okay. I've kind of been given a tick somewhat. She was like, look, you haven't done too much. You've done lots of walking. So let's just start off with some um, exercises that you can do at home, things like glute bridges, single leg stuff, because you're not used to that. Um, and you've got a kind of a different body that you're trying to get used to. Um, there's a little bit of, especially with your legs is a bit of give in regards to your knees kind of coming in after holding a baby in your pelvis that kind of hip pelvis down all changes a little bit so it's kind of about strength regaining that strength in your legs and your core before really moving into anything else and so for the next six to eight weeks I mainly concentrated on strength and um, I went to a hit gym but in that gym I purely did exercises that I knew I could do and that that felt comfortable so if there was a plank as one of the rotations I couldn't do that so I was I would ad adapt that to what I knew I could do in regards to some type of core work so I just slowly got back into it that way and that that's kind of what you kind of call the the rehab phase of getting your body back and gaining that strength and then at about I'd say three and a half, nearly four months, I started running and it was um, just really, really small jogs and it was running on and off. Um, 
So one minute on, one minute off. And then I became a little bit impatient and went the next time I ran, I did like four minutes on, one minute off, <laughs> which I think I probably just overexerted a little bit. I got a bit too excited that I was out running again and doing something that I loved that I just wanted to like keep going. Um, so I kind of had to be, had to remind myself there to hold myself back a little bit more still, because even though it feels like I could run, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, my body's actually that ready for it. So I kind of had to hold myself back a lot. And that was probably the biggest learning was um, mentally saying to yourself, it's okay. Like you're going to, you know, get into your running again and you're going to do it slowly and surely because you want to do it right and do it well, rather than just go straight out and fang a 3K and feel good about it for two minutes and then feel bad about it for the rest of the time. So yeah, I think that was the biggest learning until now was, get in the right mindset of the fact that hey you're out there moving your body doesn't matter about time doesn't matter about how far you're going just enjoy doing it um in small in small bits so that's where I was at and then I did a couple of runs around the blue lake in uh, Rotorua in September and I just didn't enjoy them. I loved that I was on the trails. I loved the people I was with, but the actual run just didn't feel great. And I just thought, okay, I need to kind of slow it down again. So I think what it's taught me mainly is the idea of rate of perceived exertion and, and running to that rather than running to pace or time or distance. Um, it taught me a lot about not comparing myself to anyone because no one was on the same journey as me and um, it really taught me how to listen truly listen to my body because I think we say let's just listen to your body a lot as runners as coaches as athletes um, but it takes a lot to actually be able to truly tune into your body and what it's saying to you so yeah yeah, well, such a journey, um, but awesome that you're back now. So where are you at now? What are we, six months? Yeah, where six months. I actually just ran a 24K trail run the other day, um, and I didn't think I'd be ready for it. I felt like leading up to it, as I said, I wasn't feeling great. I wasn't enjoying it, um, and I thought I had to kind of change my thinking around the whole race. Um I'd obviously bought my entry fee when I was still pregnant and was I was like, yeah, six months, sweet ears, I'll be fine. Um, and I was fine, but it took me a lot to get to that fine. Um, put that in there. But it was mainly uphill for the first half and then all downhill for the second half. And so on the uphill, I was like, you know what? You can walk, just enjoy it, being out, out in the scenery. And I started jogging and there were guys behind me and they were like, oh, you've set a really good pace for us. Like, this is great. We're just going to stick with you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, now I can't even walk. Like, in my head, I was like, that's game on. Like, I have guys behind me saying, like, I've set this pace. I can't let them down. <laughs> um, and so then I ran the whole way up, but very slow, like, jogging run. Um, and then we got to the last aid station, and I was kind of just like, you know what? These guys are going to fang it past me now. They're like jumped on my back for this first half of this run they're going to actually get me on the downhill so I decided to just guess, guess it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was all ego honestly I just 
I got to the last K and my mate Sam ran past me and he was like, Zoe. And I didn't even know he was running that day. And I was like, hi, Sam. I was so excited to see him. <laughs> and then everything cramped up. And this other girl passed me. And I was just like, what have you done? You know, like I definitely maxed out. Um, but in saying that, my body felt pretty good the next day. So I was a little bit worried about how my core would feel because when I had overreached myself before that run, I had felt it in my core afterwards, which meant that there was a lot of work that still needed to kind of be done in my core. So yeah, that's the positive that came out of it was that um, although I let my ego get in the way, everything felt good the following pace. Look, there's nothing more rewarding than beating some guys, but um, I'm with you. <laughs> but uh, incredible, like that's just amazing to be back there. I'm sure you must just feel so much satisfaction and reward that you've done that yourself. You've got yourself back there and it's just so cool to see. This is, uh, we've got one kind of last question to touch on and it's a bit of a random one, but one that I guess Esther and I chat about all the time is this kind of pressure that we're now in our 30s. I'm almost in my mid-30s that are, there's a pressure to have children and um, I think children are amazing and you're obviously both mums and are very incredible mums as well but did either of you kind of feel that pressure because of this idea of like the female body clock I think I get told a lot as people think that I don't want to have children because I'm an elite and an elite runner and they just assume that because I want to be a and an elite runner that I just can't have children and like that is definitely not the reason I haven't had kids today there is way bigger reasons why I haven't had kids yet but um did you Zoe I'll throw to you first did you feel any pressure to kind of have kids because of age absolutely honestly I, rem I distinctly remember um when we first came back and we were thinking about having kids we were excited about it, but I think I was also really 50-50 and I could have been either way. I could have been 52%. No, I don't want them. Um, I was definitely on the fence and I have a really, really close friend who was a, was also, you know, thinking about that at the same time. And she um, at this point in time is saying, no, I don't want children. And so it was really nice to be able to talk to her and and know that you know it's okay if we don't want them um and that pressure societal pressure shouldn't you know dictate when or how um we we have them let alone um when or how we decide if we do want them um there were points in the process of our fertility journey where I was like do I actually want to do this um I think it's like one of the biggest decisions you'll ever make in your life and it's not one that you should take lightly at all and sometimes it might not even be one that you're 100% on because highly likely you probably won't be 100% on it um, <laughs> it's yeah it's a big life change and I think the biggest thing for me was that I was going to lose the body that I had worked hard for for the last 15 years I think that was the main thing for me and it was tough to be like is my body going to be different is my relationship with my body going to be different um after I grow a human and and deliver one um so I think yeah mentally I think that was my biggest barrier to work through and it took a lot of internal thinking and and, and scenarios and things like that for me to be okay with the fact that yes I do want children so yes this is these are the steps that are gonna 
happen to me and my body when I do when I am able to have them and like I'm at peace with that so it took a lot to get to that peace though yeah I feel like it's again one of those things that just aren't spoken enough about between women you know this pressure that just because you're a woman and you're in your 30s you should be having a family and I think children can come in many different forms. We've got Femi, our baby. Um, Esther's always yeah. also got Sunny and two cats, so they're also her babies. But uh, yeah, I think there is a pressure. Amy, did you feel that at all as you're getting older? Yeah, so I guess kind of two ways I've thought about this. So I had Henry um, when I was 28 and then Jim when I was 30. And I guess when I was, yeah, 28, I like, again, I just felt like quite young and naive um, and didn't really like, hold the weight of what it meant to have a baby and then have a family and um so I guess yeah part of me didn't really think like oh in 30s but I've got a lot of friends who are in their 30s and I know that it's like it's a huge like we talk about it like friends who haven't had kids and then I think there's a lot of that like within my friendship circle and some really close friends that it's it can be seen like oh you and even some mums who are like well when are you having your second like you had your first a few years ago and the instant is like when are you having your second and what I've experienced with some really close friends is that it's like it seems like that's kind of just like a throwaway question I've had friends who've had gone through IVF had four times had miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage um that it's it seems like a societal question or when's your second or when's your first and not understanding the journey behind that's not it's not super easy for everyone um and yeah there's a lot it's not a that you must choose this path like and there's some people who wanted to choose that path who can't have that path as well so I think it's, there's so much pressure to be a woman <laughs> in our era um of like yeah what's right what's wrong yeah and I, I it's it's good that we're talking about it within our friends, but it's not talked about outside of that, which I think could definitely be talked about more. Yeah, definitely. Totally agree. I feel like, I don't know, for me, I go back and forth all the time, but like I'm probably skewed more towards not wanting children. And I feel like there's this stigma that I'm like this, like, um, I don't know, in my mind, I'm like not fulfilling my womanly, like motherly duties and like, yeah sometimes I feel like I don't fit the mold of like what I should but I think that's just from what I've like seen on social media and heard yeah I just feel like there should just be those questions should just be not asked really like even my parents often come to me and they're like when are you having kids like you're thir- you're in your 30s now and I'm like don't know if I want them <laughs> it's really hard yeah you know? I think you're right there because um I think the boomer era definitely asked that the most, mm-hmm. which is obviously our parents' era. And I don't think they understand the weight of their questioning. Yeah. Whereas I think people our age, because there is discourse out there that is starting to be shared more openly um, within friendship groups and in, in social media, that, you know, let's not ask those questions because as Amy said, you never know someone's journey. You never, and it's such a private question to be asking someone. Totally. 
I think so too. And I'm about to get married and I can just imagine the next one after this will just be like, so when's the family? I mean, I always already get asked about it quite a lot because of my age, but yeah, I, I'm with S. Like it kind of makes you feel like, well, I don't know if I want to have kids. And does that make me a very selfish person because I don't want to give my life to another life? I don't know. It's a really hard one. And there is, yeah, there is no right or wrong answer. Like everyone is on their own journey. We're humans. We're, we're human. humans too. You know, like, yeah, okay, we're women that can hold a baby, but that doesn't mean that's our sole thing that we should be doing on this earth. Look at what you guys are doing. You're doing amazing things for everyone out there. And your message is incredible. And the you know, that's you shouldn't just be thinking that, you know, you're on there for this one, on this earth for this one thing, because every day we do something for ourselves and for other people and we you know we make lives better so I think um, I'm sorry sorry I think what you're saying is 100% and I I guess um I think no matter what the not the decision or choices but there's always like the opposite like even with me like working full-time some mums who don't like how, how do you send your kids to daycare all, all the time and it's like there's always something like there's always that guilt and I'm like well I work full-time so I can provide my kids the best life like that's why we're like yeah I feel like yeah there's all always a pull somewhere like have kids not have kids work full-time like great if you don't have to but I have to so there's always just that somewhere society saying like stay at home go to work like have a baby don't have a baby it's just like what's right yeah yeah you can't please everyone unless you're a man maybe you can please everyone <laughs> um just quickly I just wanted to say um one of the discussions we had with some of the mums in our mum group is that I feel and and they shared this too that like I feel like I have to say I'm a working mum which again I don't know why I feel like I have to say that but we were like dads don't say oh I'm a working dad like mm. they go to work but it's that yeah that societal difference where I have to try to I didn't even know why I do it but like oh I'm a working mom like why do I do that but I feel like I need to yeah yeah it is again the pressure that you feel from society and the standards that society has on us as women which is just ridiculous um yeah we just can't get caught up in what everyone thinks or what even one person thinks because you are on your own journey and you're doing what's right you're looking after your children the best way possible and uh, you should be both so proud of yourselves like you are doing amazing things not only as a mum, I feel like mums kind of just get bucketed into this like you're a mum and that's it but you're so much more than just that so you should be, both be so proud of yourselves we have two very quick quick fire questions for you um I'm going to send this one over to you Zoe what would you tell your younger self if you went back to your 15 year old self what would you, what advice would you give her I think the biggest advice I would give her is to not worry about the people that are there saying things to you that shouldn't matter and make more time for the people who are there to make time for you Love it. Such good advice. And Amy, last question, quick fire question is, what is your current purpose on Mother Earth? Oh, that's tricky. Honestly, I think my current purpose is like every day I try to, to learn something. And every day I try to be 
to reach out or to be with people who, yeah, who I really care about. And um, there's, I think at the moment, there's a lot of sadness in the world. And um, we've even had sadness close to us. Um, a, a family friend passed away. And I just think like my purpose is like I need to be, I think happy is too much thrown around, but like make sure I'm the people that I love know that I love them and yeah just yeah be with people who care and yeah I think that's just yeah, make sure you're connecting with people I think is huge that's beautiful well you're definitely doing that and uh sorry for your loss it's not nice to hear I hope you're doing okay but um, thank you both so much for your time today. I know this episode will help so many women, you know, not just mums who are already mums, but um, women who are potentially thinking about becoming a mum or not. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your stories today. It's been really powerful. We will tag both these incredible women into our show notes so you can go along and check them out on social media. Uh, you can also head to femi.co. Our Instagram is femi.co or our website femi.co. If you have any thoughts or feedback or questions, we would love to hear from you. But yes, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sure we'll chat to you very soon. Thank you. See ya.